How are you guys doing this evening? Are you guys ready for a, a lovely day of eating way too much food? And th- how many of you guys had your Thanksgiving today? I'm just saying that because I know you guys did. So are you going to have another one tomorrow? For two days of just stuffing yourself uncomfortable. That is glorious. How many of you, how many of the rest of you do that? Like multiple days. All right. We've got some, that, is it because you're visiting different family? Oh, dude, that is awesome. We're going to have one big feast. We're, we're, I think we're going to have 17 people in our house tomorrow. So I was, uh, <laughs> you weren't on the invite list. <laughs> um, but no, so happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. And, and I'm just really glad that you could join us if you're visiting here today, because I know that there's probably some family from out of town. Um, welcome. And what we're here to do today is just kind of going into that season of thanks. Um, we want to make sure to take that time to first kind of just really think about all the things that we have to be thankful for, because there's lots and lots of those things. And sometimes we can kind of dwell on some of the things that we're not so thankful for, that we lose sight of all the things that are good in our lives. And so it's good to just remind ourselves of those things. And then most of all, to focus on where those good things are from, why those good things are in our lives. Because the Bible makes it really clear that every good and perfect gift, not like some, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, or in other words, it's from the Lord, who never changes. That's all, because he's good. All he does is give us good things. And so it's good for us to come together, think about all those good things, and then praise God, direct that thankfulness to God for those good things in our lives. And so I'm just going to start out with um, a, a passage where uh, a group of God's people were basically coming together to do that same thing. And this is in Second Chronicles 5. I'm gonna, the guys might put the passages up on the screen behind me. If you guys have a phone that lights up, you, could, you can also go there too. Or you can just listen to what I'm reading because it's not a long section of scripture. And I hope to keep it short tonight. But basically to give you some background on what's going on here, you had... Uh, King Solomon, he was the son of King David. Basically, King David was the second king of Israel, a man that the Bible says was after God's own heart. He was a good king. And he wanted to build a house for the Lord or or a place where they could come and worship God. Now, it's not like God needed somewhere to dwell. God dwells everywhere. His throne is in heaven. He doesn't need a, a house or a temple to live in. But for our sake, for people's sake, God was going to give them a place where they could gather together to come and worship him, knowing that it would be so hard to keep their focus on him just because of all the cares of life and how easy it is to get distracted. He wanted to give them a place where they could direct their focus on him. And they did that in the temple. And they were kind of coming together in the section of Second Chronicles 5 to do what we're doing today. They were coming together to worship him. This was going to be the dedication of the temple. So they were doing their version of church back then, if you will. Same thing we're doing now, gathering together to worship God, okay? And it says in Second Chronicles 5, starting in verse 11, it says, And when the priests came out of the holy place for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, He-Man, uh, I guess Skeletor wasn't invited. And uh, some of you guys, that might date me, but I was a fan of He-Man. Uh, He-Man and Jejutham, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar 
with 120 priests who were trumpeteers. And it was the duty of the trumpeteers and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good for a steadfast love endures forever. So these certain priests that were set aside uh, as singers, as as the worship team, if you will, the same as we're going to have a group of people up here that are going to make their way up here shortly to lead us in a time of worship. They, they, God had set aside some of, some of these Levitical priests to do the same thing. To, that was their job, to play instruments and to sing in unity and, and, and to wreck their songs of praise to God, to worship and to lead the rest of the people in doing that same thing. And so they're doing that and they're basically praising God for two different things. They're saying for he's good. So for the good things he, he's get done in their lives, he's given them. And then also for his steadfast love that endured forever, ever, or basically his continuous love, how God just kept showing love to them, even despite them knowing they didn't deserve it because they had turned their back on him so many times. He loved them the same anyways, despite what they did that was right or wrong. And so they're praising him for that. And it says when they did that, the house, the house of the Lord, the temple, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand and minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So as they're praising God, his presence, like a tangible evidence of his presence, this cloud fills the place. They all become aware of it. And they're like overwhelmed by the glory of God. And I want you to notice that it was them coming to God with that heart or that desire to praise him to give thanks to him that led to them experiencing his presence or basically becoming aware of his presence, just seeing his glory. Now, through our faith in Jesus, Paul tells us that we've become the temple of God. Us, all you guys that have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are part of what's called his temple. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you, that's you guys, they're being talked to me that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. So when you believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that his spirit came inside of you to dwell in you forever. It's a seal to the day that he comes to get you or you go to be with him where you'll never leave his side again. But until that point comes, he's given you God's spirit to help you understand his word, to hear, be led by him, to help you in being led by him to know his voice, to hear his voice, to see his presence in your life. The Holy Spirit is the helper, the comforter. So you have the spirit of God in you. And together we act as a temple, as the temple of God. He dwells in his people. So it stands to reason, this example, when we're looking at this example of Second Chronicles 5, that when we come together to do the same thing these people were doing, and that was to praise and thanks God, that you too will become aware of his presence or you will have a tangible experience of understanding that God is here in this place. Maybe you come into here kind of feeling like he's distanced, but then you realize, no, 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 he's right here. His spirit's inside of me, but you just experience him in some specific way through just setting your focus on him and giving him the praise and the thanks, acknowledging his goodness in your life. Jesus also confirms this in Matthew 18:20. He tells us for two or three for where two or three gather together as my followers, some of your translations say in my name, I am there 
among them. So when we gather, and that's our purpose, uh, to come and worship Jesus, we're coming together in his name. He's there in our midst. That's why it's so important that we're devoted to this, that we don't forsake the gathering, because this is where we experience God's presence in a special, powerful way. Now, God's word tells us that as believers, he's always with us. His presence is always there, whether we acknowledge it or not. But that's the problem, because so often we get distracted by the shiny things in the world, the things that you know our flesh goes after. We get distracted by the cares of life, those very real things that cause discouragement or cause us to be anxious. We, we get so focused on those things, we lose sight of the fact that God is there. Now, he's still there. His presence is with us. He's promised he's never going to leave us or forsake us, but we lose sight of that. And so we need this. We need to have these moments of just fixing our gaze on him, giving our praise and thanks to him, acknowledging the good things he's done in our lives so that we understand that his presence is there. Because don't you agree that when you understand that the God of the universe is there with you, that he hasn't left you, doesn't that make your life much better? It's a yes or no question. Doesn't it? I mean, because there are those times, like I said, where my focus is somewhere else and I'm not remembering that or I'm just not dwelling on that and I'm, I'm focusing on that thing that's scaring me so bad or that thing that is troubling me and causing discomfort in my life or pain and I've forgotten that he's there and that I don't feel good. But when I remind myself that, you know what? God is with me. He's not going to leave me in this. He's made a promise about this, that he's going to use it for my good and that he's going to see me through this. Things get better. And I just, as I was praying this last week, the Lord blessed me and my wife with a time away, just on vacation to rest. And I was praying and, and the Lord is reminding me of this, like how, you know, I'm going into this Thanksgiving season thankful. You know, my family's here visiting. We've got food on the table. You know, life life's good. But even if things are good, they can be way better in knowing that Jesus himself is going to be at that table with us. That he wants to be at that table with us. And you know, with this many people in the room or maybe people watching online, maybe not everyone's in that place because some of us are dealing with real hard things. And it's hard to focus on the things we should be thankful for because those things we're going through are just consuming our minds or consuming our thoughts. Maybe you've lost loved ones and they're not here this year or you're estranged with them and, and that hurts. That's a very real pain. Or maybe you're going through health issues that are very painful. And so you, you know that there's good things, but you're just having a hard time focusing on those things. And so you need this to an even greater degree because you need to ponder those and dwell on those good things that God has done. How he's come through so many times in your life. And, and so you remember that he's going to come through in whatever you're dealing with. And most of all, you dwell on the fact that above anything else, the greatest thing you have to be thankful for is that you're a child of God. That you're saved. Which means that not only can you have hope in whatever hard thing you're dealing with. Hope the biblical definition being a sure expectation of coming good, knowing that God has said he's for you and not against you. He's going to work all things for your good, even the suffering. He's given purpose and meaning to the hard things that we have to go through from living in this world. They're not meaningless. 
They're not good in themselves, but God has promised to use them for your good. So we have to be reminded of that so often. And through your faith in Jesus, all those promises, no matter what is going on in your life, they still remain and they will absolutely come true just as they have come to up to this point. Amen. It's our salvation that above all else we should be praising God for. He actually, the psalmist tells us this in Psalm 95, one through three. He says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Now, Jesus makes it clear in the gospels that that rock of our salvation, he's that rock that's being talked about there. He's basically the foundation that our salvation would come through. This is the good news. We, we, if you're new to church, the good news, the gospel Something that even if we've gone to church for many, many years, we don't want to ever somehow grow dull to it or forget the fact that our salvation is the greatest thing we're thankful for. All right. The fact that the son of God, God was willing to send his son to live on this earth as a man, a a humble act that we'll never fully understand that the God of the universe, creator of all things, Jesus being equal with God would come and live as a man. Not for his benefit, but for ours. And in coming to live as a man, he lived a sinless life. Something a normal person couldn't do. That proved he was God. So that he could die a sinner's death. Not for any sin he did, but for every sin I did. Every sin you did. Every sin anyone ever did. On a cross. And take the just price that our sin deserved upon himself. So that no matter what you've done in your life. No matter how bad you think it might be, and it probably is really bad. The the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty that our our sin deserves. Basically, in essence, if you want to think of it in earthly terms, you were somebody that was on death row. I was somebody that was on death row because God is perfectly just. He doesn't grade on a curve. Basically, as being perfectly just, if you have any sin in your life, it has to be dealt with. And the, the penalty is death. So we were sitting on death row. But God loved us so much, he sent his son who took our place on that executioner's table, if you will. He he took the penalty our sin deserved on that cross, died, and in taking that penalty, he paid the price that was necessary for you to be completely forgiven of your sin, reconciled to God. He imparted his perfectness, his righteousness onto you, gave it to you. The Bible talks about it like being robed in it. So when God sees you, he sees his son, Jesus. And because of that, you right now, through your faith in Jesus, have no reason to doubt that God sees you perfectly as his child. And you will spend all eternity in heaven with him. And guess what? Those things that are so hard right now, we know that one day we won't have that pain anymore. That every tear from our eyes will be wiped away. All of the hard things we feel in this world will be gone forever and we will spend eternity in a perfection that we can't even fully comprehend now with our creator. Amen. That's the thing we want to be thankful for no matter over anything else. Amen. So we're going to spend just the rest of this evening simply, like I said, thinking about the things that we have to be thankful for your salvation, number one. 
all the provision the Lord's given you in your life. No matter, even if that's just a little, if you're doing without things that maybe you'd want, the Bible says God will provide all your needs. If you're sitting here breathing right now, he's done that. So thanking him for just providing our needs, that we have a roof over our head, that we have food on the table, that we had a car that got us out here tonight. Thankful for our families. Look to your left, look to your right. You're sitting next to your spouse or kids, or maybe you have relatives somewhere else, but you have family that the Lord's given you. You have church family. Maybe even you're here alone tonight. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that God has brought you into his family that you're going to spend all eternity with. So maybe before you knew Jesus, you didn't have a lot of like close family, but now you have tons. We could go on and on all the things. But I want you just to, as we're singing these songs of praise, think about those good things you have to be thankful for and acknowledge God for them because he's the reason why you have them. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you in this time. And we are so thankful for all of your goodness in our lives. You truly are the one that deserves praise. You and you alone. And Lord, we just want to come here this evening and give you what's rightfully yours. And that is our thanks, our worship. We know that you don't need this. Like you don't need a pat on the back. You know you're good. But we need this. We need to remind ourselves of how how good you are, how much we have to be thankful for, how you've been nothing but faithful to keep all your promises up to this point so we can trust that you will continue to do that right until the point we're with you, Lord. So just meet us in this time. Just as your presence filled that temple when they came to worship you, I pray that you would do that in this place today, that we would sense you in this place, In Jesus' name, amen.